case. I've got my yes. snicked mug. Oh, sweet. I just have a Harry Potter one. Just classic Harry Potter. And paid. Um. <laughs> Are you going to get that? Um, I don't know. You probably don't have the video game system to run it, but that open world Harry Potter game that's coming out this year, Hogwarts Legacy. Um. Yes. Okay. Uh, because the family is also getting a PS5. Of course. Okay. So you are going to get it. Yeah. Um, I think there's like another game on there that everybody wants. And I was like, well, here's the thing. <sighs> Open world Harry Potter. <laughs> so speaking of, they actually sh- just, uh, they announced last year that they're going to shut down. Uh, everybody calls it Harry Potter Go, but... Everybody in the know calls it Wizards Unite, which is the actual name of the game. Oh, I've heard and, of this. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have, I have been playing since it was uh, open to play. And do you know what? It isn't without its hiccups. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss it. <laughs> well, you're, you're about to move on to bigger and better things because this game looks pretty fire. Uh, yeah. Uh, I probably will lose years of my life, uh, if not days. Between that and Pokemon Legends coming out next week, are you guys getting it? Um, we're trying not to talk about it in the house. What's that mean? Uh, because we've been really busy on devices, and it's not good. <sighs> oh, no. But also, um, we've, re- we've reignited the fires uh, for building on islands. Uh, her... My niece and my other niece, who is, I guess, technically, uh, technically, this is like my twin sisters' in-laws. Gotcha. Um, they are the same age, and they visit each other on the their islands. They've mm. discovered visiting each other, and they've branched out. They're they're six, by the way. They've branched out from only shopping at Abel Sisters <laughs> together to um, building cute little secret hideaways with each other on each other's islands that's cute yeah they'll be like oh uh they discovered how to open their diy folders on their nook phones and they're like oh we can make this and i just like yeah watched them uh discover oh wait we need sticks to make a we need sticks for this okay let's go collect sticks and like go collect sticks together and then make (laughs) They'll make like a the wooden toy bed or whatever for their, their little hideaway. Oh my god! Yep, I'm just there. I just want to see the heartbreak when they find out you can't place a rug on the ground. <laughs> out of all the things you can't do, <laughs> right? Oh, so stupid. Um. Anyway, that's a uh, that's it. Looks the mug looks much smaller because I'm holding the. I'm holding the claws. It's like my second little perch for my hands there. <laughs> does it hold a lot of coffee? Uh, yeah, it does, actually. <clears throat> it's it a... holds the whole carafe. <laughs> the whole order. There's none left for Jason. <laughs> oh, my God. But here we are. Yes, hello. And welcome to the Full Volume Podcast. <laughs> I am your villager host, G.I. Jolie. And I'm your Nook Miles enthusiast, Harvey Brent. He's the other host. <laughs> I am. <laughs> um, and today we are talking about Peacemaker. Uh, Peacemaker's episode two, three, 
and four. And that's like, I'm just going to like level with everybody. That's my doing. I really wanted to get back on an even footing for like episode numbers. And I was like, oh, we, we can't review two and three together. That seems weird. Let's do two, three, and four. So mm-hmm. here we are. And I mean, I must admit that when you mentioned it, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> get some Gatorade like, in you. Uh, it's like, oh no, if we, if we do, if we do it this way, we have to do one, two, three, and four together. But we, I told or, you after we filmed one. Uh, yeah. I it know. just didn't feel right. Okay. So You're I'm glad right. we're doing this. It's weird. Let's, because it's going to take a century. <laughs> Let's just dive right into it. Okay. So episode two entitled Best Friends for Never. Uh, the last time, the last thing we saw was uh, Peacemaker is in the room of a woman he met at the bar. He has exploded her. And turns out because she's like an assassin she tries to kill him. A butterfly um, assassin. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, I thought maybe that um, she was like just like a sleeper agent that's triggered when Cinderella is played. But no, she's just a butterfly. Um, so he explodes her with his sonic boom, and that was the end of the first episode. We pick up here. He's called his black ops buddies to come and rescue him. So Harcourt. Mm-hmm. And Adbeo are uh, driving up to come rescue him. And most of this, most of the episode is him trying to get out of the apartment complex he's trapped in and into the little, like, Mal- Chevy Malibu <laughs> that right. they've chosen as their escape vehicle. <laughs> um, they eventually do it. Uh, I'm just going to, like, slice right through. They eventually get him out and... Uh, we see at the, well, to kind of the Greenfield police, Greenfield being the town that they're in, they've kind of been tipped off now because, I mean, a big, large crime happened. And now the locals are involved. Um, to throw them off of their black ops scent, uh, what's his name? Economist mm-hmm. uh, is tasked with changing Peacemaker's fingerprints and the registration for the vehicle that gets left behind at the crime scene. But in a kind of dumb but smart twist. He frames his dad. He frames Augie Smith, his father, (laughs) which lands Augie Smith in jail. And we find out that uh, based on all the hiling and uh, fun greetings, he is actually the white dragon and all of these white supremacists, white nationalists greet him with open arms. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else happens. Oh yeah, that's right. We also get vigilante finally. Uh, right. <laughs> we do. Yeah. And we get vigilante and peacemaker and a random woman from that apartment building. And, a, I don't think threesome, maybe two, two and one, some <laughs> that's, <laughs> Two and one watcher. <laughs> two and I, God, with vigilante, who knows? Um, but yeah, vigilante is in that episode too, and the episode ends. I mean, I, I guess I kind of stole your thunder. I'm sorry. Mm-mm, mm-mm, keep going. You're like, please, please do. Um, it ends with them discovering that there was a miniature spaceship in that woman's apartment, the butterfly assassin that tried to kill Peacemaker. So yes. like, uh, Peacemaker took a bunch of stuff from her, her apartment because he loves the records, and he just he found these 
you know, weird little talismans. He's like, oh, that's nice. And he puts them on the bed sheet and wraps them up like a true cartoon villain and uh, was trying to escape. So there's a mini, <laughs> mini spaceship at the end of at the end of episode two, which I mean, we'll get there, but I still don't think we fully know what it is. Okay. We don't even know at this point what a butterfly is. We just remember the mm-hmm. words Project Butterfly and they keep calling people butterflies, but they say yes. nothing. They say so, nothing. Uh-huh. Well, as I say, so episode three, which actually mm. I'm kind of glad you did episode two because episode three, I think, was my favorite. I call it the stakeout episode. And it, it was just a giant set piece, really. But so it's called Better Goff Dead. Better Goff or Joff? I don't know what they're thinking. I think it's Goff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Peacemaker's finally, you know, hit gun to his head. He has to finally carry out his mission of assassinating um, the U.S. Senator uh, Roiling Goff, who's a, suspected of being a butterfly, as well as his wife and young children. So they show up to the Goff residence and they do a stakeout. It's Harcourt and Peacemaker and Peacemaker can't pull the trigger. <laughs> but luckily, Vigilante is obsessed with Peacemaker and happened to be in the bushes. And so Vigilante takes over and actually kills three of them and leaves just the U.S. Senator, um, Senator Goff left. So anyways, things turn sideways. Uh, Judo Master and a bodyguard, random bodyguard number one, come out and subdue Peacemaker and Harcourt and uh, Vigilante. So that kind of sucks. They they take Vigilante and Peacemaker inside of the mansion where Senator Goff questions them about what they know because clearly they were targeting Senator Goff's family, which is like, of course, that's crazy. So uh, uh, Goff tortures Vigilante in an attempt to extract information from Peacemaker because he thought empathy would be you know, a motivator for Peacemaker to spill the beans. During this, we learn that Vigilante's secret identity is Adrian Chase, who we know that was working at the restaurant where everybody was gathered in the first episode to assign the mission. He's the busboy from Fennel Fields. Thank you. That's what it's called, Fennel Fields. Um, <laughs> which leads to a very hilarious sequence of the senator trying to cut off vigilante's toes and doing a pretty hack job i don't think he got all of it <laughs> it sounds like just through it like they they uh dote on the toe a lot in this episode and the next episode they talk about it a lot <laughs> there's a lot of toe dialogue <laughs> a lot of toe dialogue so but what i but you know what in a way i feel like i know exactly the level of damage that was done to vigilante's toe it didn't fully amputate it but they severely severely mangled it it sounds yes. like <laughs> the big heavy lifter is the is the uh the metatarsal yeah Ooh. <laughs> the metatarsal like, still intact so he's okay <laughs> yes he can walk but not unencumbered yes but he, and he also still has a little bit of balance which is good mm-hmm. yeah and, and uh if you really wanted to know whether or not you could walk without a pinky toe this the they talk At the about core it of this episode is uh, that that exact uh, quandary. Yeah. So I'll be wondering, and apparently the answer is, yeah, you the, can. The answer is yes-ish. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... At the end of the episode, Goff ends up dead. Uh, Peacemaker blows his brains out... And they watch a butterfly crawl out of his um, of his, the open 
the his open cavity. gaping wound, the cavity that is now his head. Yeah. Okay, so um, they, in a really graceful, beautiful scene, um, Peacemaker picks up his friend Vigilante and they watch that butterfly just fly to freedom. <laughs> but they never really, like... They never really uh, resolve that. It ends and goes into the open, the end credits. We find out in episode three, entitled The Chode Less Traveled, uh, this is where a lot of the speculation... Episode four, episode four sorry. Yeah. Um, the speculation about whether or not you can walk, this is where we really find out... We find it all out. ...whether you can do it, and the answer... In this case, because they didn't take as much of the pinky toe, is yeah, you can. He's a little limpy, but his meta his metatarsal is intact. That's that's the part that was apparently crucial, according to Adebayo. Yes, um, they're all in the back of the paneled secret ops truck, <laughs> arguing with Peacemaker about it because he's like legitimately very worried. I mean, I would be too. Uh, it sounds like he gets most of his news from the internet, uh, like most people, and they just want to make sure that Vigilante is, um, you know, just on the up and up, that he's got the right information. So uh, they luckily have another uh, sort of super villain hero in the mix, which is kind of a, like a plus but also a burden on Mern, who is sort of the head of their little operation. Which, by the way, Mern mm. has, like, no personality so far mm. at this point. Are we suspecting... A little... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Okay, so, uh, they, uh, because Economist has... Um, bested for lack of a better term for now the judo master they also have to bring judo master back to their storefront hideout um so they have him hooked up to iv just to keep him alive and they discover what har not har harcourt what economist has done and they have to make sure they have to go to the jail and make sure that augie does not uh tip off the greenfield police um that about the misinformation that they received, the, the switcheroo, about the prints and the registration, because then the, that would tip off the local police to the black ops that are happening in their town. Imagine, imagine that. Okay, so mm -hmm. Vigilante, and Vigilante drives his best friend to the jail where Augie's being kept. Um... I'm trying to go from memory because uh, this is the most recent one I watched. But anyway, they get to the jail. They have a little fight. Also, Harcourt. Oh, no, sorry. Adebayo is there. Uh, she's been kind of tasked with um, making sure that they kind of uh, do what they need. But also that Vigilante doesn't like fuck things up more because he's kind of known for doing that. So far, he's been a, a force for their good or their usefulness. But they need to make sure that uh but because i feel mm -hmm. like vigilante did all the work yeah um i don't think that he was supposed to but she plants in his mind because this is this seems to be the impression that she gets adebayo plants in his mind that 
maybe Peacemaker would be just better off without his father. And that's all she says to him. And he's like, got it. Check. I'm just going to protect my best friend and go kill his father. Vigilante's a sociopath, and I um, love it. Yeah, he kind of <laughs> is. And, I mean, here's the thing. He also played famed sociopath Cormac McLaggen. Was Cormac a sociopath in Harry Potter? I guess he was kind of weird. Uh, yeah. I don't remember him in the books. I just remember him in the movies. Yes, he was like, um, he was just probably as aggressive about pursuing Hermione in the books. I remember that. It was really weird to that the film gave him a face, a blonde, like sort of Ken-like face to go with the the lecherousness. Boy, was a snack. Yeah. I mean, he's still a snack. A weird... He is a snack, yeah. Yeah, do you know what? When he walks up into that... When he gets himself jailed, that's how he gets... He sneaks in. He (laughs) walks into the prison guard... Courtyard. Courtyard, where they're all... Where every single one of them is having lunch, apparently. um, And breaks a window with a garbage can. And proceeds to get himself arrested. It was awesome. Um, and then he goes into the jail that whole walking scene where he's walking down the hallway it's funny that we call him a sociopath because my sister's like I don't know what's going to happen after this HBO series but someone needs to call this man um, and it's like he could play like Ted Bundy he looks like a serial killer so okay excellent segue gonna gonna hold you for a second so um, Evan Peters is playing Ted Bundy Bundy in a Ryan Murphy revival of a Ted Bundy. Oh, no, I'm wrong. I, I am mistaken. Evan Peters is playing Jeffrey Dahmer in a Ryan Murphy. Makes more sense. Gay serial okay. killer. Ryan Murphy is like, give me it. Um, yeah, sorry. I, it kind of was a segue that ended up not being a segue. I, I interrupted your flow. But Evan oh, Peters, no. our boy, will be playing a serial killer. I can't wait. But also, please, Ryan Murphy, don't put don't put musical numbers in that. For the love of God. No promises. Just no make it promises. scary. Right? Just make it scary and gory. Uh, sorry, I'm just forgetting his name. Is it Freddy? Freddy Stroma. That's it. Freddy Stroma. Okay, so. Uh, Freddy's in jail. Slash vigilante. Um, it doesn't go so well for Peacemaker. He doesn't. He is not able to convince his father at all. That he is... Um, uh, he, he, he's not able to convince his father to love him, which is his ultimate goal, and it sucks, and he leaves. Um, he leaves with Harcourt, who picks him up and takes him back to town, but hey, because Vigilante is not part of the original team, there he is, still in jail. Uh, he sits right down with all of the... in, in, in the empty seat at their far-right card game. <laughs> And proceeds to introduce himself in the best scene I've seen. The le- the level of like passive aggressiveness and like goading on it was it was good it was juicy. Yeah, because he play- vigilante plays himself off as or the character initially played himself off as kind of like maybe a little slow, maybe he had some developmental issues or he maybe he's autistic, but he's kind of a genius he's very woke but he's also a psychopath so yeah 
calculating. Yeah. Calculating. Just just because you like Werner doesn't mean you're, you know. A racist. A racist, which (laughs) uh, he sits down and is like, hey, guys, this is awesome. I can't believe I'm in jail with you. Um, Let's make friends. Let me go first. Let's go around the table and say what we're thankful for. Uh, Thankful for contributions for black people to society. Yes. And they all like clockwork, like um, predictable clockwork, freak the fuck out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which leads to a really great like smash white nationalist smash him up. It was just so satisfying to watch him kick the shit out of all of them. Except Um, the one that matters most. Yeah, because he unfortunately um, is not isn't as quick as he we had hoped he would be. And he kind of tips off daddy Nazi. Um, And he's like, "Okay, I get it. You're friends with Peacemaker. I'm not swinging at you because there's cameras everywhere. So Mm -hmm. that the fight is halted. He's like, damn it. He knows why I'm here. Um, and then, um, oh, okay. So this is where we get some of the greatest character development, character development that I've seen for a villain in these, uh, WB series, um, the DC in the DC world peacemaker. We find out a little bit more about Peacemaker. He goes home. He proceeds to empty out their entire interdimensional closet. Yes. Of all the things that were created for him. And he needs to come to terms with the fact that his father created him to be a killing machine. Um, but at the expense of his siblings, which is very sad. So we get a scene. Oh, this is where we also discover, again... That the butterfly that he has told Mern that he has shot out of the air is actually like in a big jar, like he's an eight-year-old collecting bugs. And eagerly wants it. Big surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, long COVID, not a joke. Oh, I'm sorry. It's still just a weird cough that I can't get over. It scares people out of the aisles at the grocery store still. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the fact that my face is Asian probably doesn't help. <laughs> because people are still freaking weird about that word. Anyway, okay. Um, uh, let's see. Let's see. Okay, so he's in his room listening to the stolen records, including some of his own. And it turns out he's a huge, like, glam rock fan, which is kind of fun and nice. <laughs> what did he call it? Um... I love the the time period. It was a period where men weren't afraid to be women. Yes, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, he might he might have said men weren't afraid to be men, but then he listed off feminine archetypes. I think maybe I don't know. I can't remember. It was something like that though. Like the choir boys. <laughs> yeah. Who pre nineteen eighty four were called the queer boys, and change their name for North American audiences. Are we going to have some like burgeoning sexuality reveals from Peacemaker in this show? I hope so. I mean, he's definitely um, a penetrator, but... Yeah. A self-loathing one. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, So he's in his room smoking marijuana. 
blowing it into the the butterfly. <laughs> the butterfly. Um, Eagly's trying to eat it. He's so he's just you know in his room, in a crop top, sobbing. Um, he has a flashback, Ooh. which I am so here for the male crop top to come back. I have one. I have a crop top that says good vibes in like cursive writing across of it. It's going to be the summer look of 2022. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the crop tops. And we're back to high waisted wide legs. So high waisted wide legs. <sighs> yeah. Yes. Yes. OK. I was like, wait, is that for a second? Think mm-hmm. dazed and confused. I was going to say, like, Aladdin. <laughs> no. <laughs> High-waisted, wide legs. Let's see. Oh, yes, we are. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's too bad you didn't keep your long locks, because then you could, like, do a wispy Farah. Everybody just makes fun of the locks, and you know what? Mm. Joke's on them, because I don't use shampoo anymore, and now my hair would have been the perfect, like, level of texture for it, but... Oh. takes too long. Yeah, I, I don't use shampoo anymore. Like, my hair now just, like... I mean, I obviously wash my hair, gross, mm-hmm. but like, it's like, it's not poofy anymore. It's not ever dehydrated. It's, it's nice. Mm-hmm. It it's great just a long. nice natural oil. A nice natural oil. It took, it was some growing pains though. The first two weeks it was ugly, but luckily I don't leave the house. So nobody saw it really. <laughs> but I digress. Anyways. W-F-H. For life. <laughs> For life, okay. I feel like. Yeah. Um, okay. So. While he's crying, we get flashbacks to his childhood where we see um, his father, his mulleted father. Amazing. Um, the mullet, not his father. Um, coaching him, stabbing men, just killing. Like, mm-hmm. just actually making him a literal killing machine. Which is kind of disturbing. Yeah, it is. so creepy. Mm-hmm. Because... He turned. I mean, it's it's clear that he has a heart of gold. You can't love Cinderella. <laughs> Your theme song can't be by Wigwam and not have a heart of gold. Anyway, um, we get that scene uh, because it kind of sets up who his father is, the true psychopath his father is, and then we get a scene where um, he's is he on the playground with his brother. I thought it was a it was a playground, but also like it kind of there was a scene where he was like in a ditch or something. Yeah, I can't really remember it, but it's like uh, he inadvertently contributed to the death of his brother, mm-hmm. which he has been probably bottling. Men, they don't talk about their feelings no. and then they shoot people. Mm-hmm. And then they become. Murderous killers. They do. They do. But that that is the end of the episode. That's the end of episode four, where we basically, I wouldn't call it exposition, uh, but we get, you know, a behind the scenes peek at the vulnerabilities of Peacemaker, which at this point we have been lacking, and that has Mm. been making him unlikable. Mm -hmm. But also it kind of worked because I'm like, this character is so gross and like everything I hate, but I can't stop watching. It's like a version of Deadpool where Deadpool was like a toxic masculine alpha male. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah. Ooh. But the very last scene is mm. Mern answering a phone call and then hanging up and then taking a sip out of his honey bowl with his little butterfly tongue. So confirmed, Mern is a butterfly, which I called from the beginning. I knew it. He didn't have enough personality. I'm like, why is this guy so wooden? There is a reason. 
Mm. And also, okay, so this brings up all kinds of questions now. What is Project Butterfly? Yeah, we still don't uh, know. Yeah, because at the end of episode three, three? we see like it's everywhere. Yeah, suspected uh, on the screen inside of their van where um, Economist is doing all his work is a map of the world and suspected butterflies are plotted all over this map. So it's like, what's a butterfly? What are they trying to do? Are they like DC's equivalent to the Jitari or the Skrulls? Who knows? But like, what is this? Because now he, we have this like little alien ship that they have that he had procured from that one butterfly cheetah woman's house. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Do they come from space? This is a little spaceship. It's cute. Um, it's also covered in like runic symbols. So like, what do those mean? So like definitely ancient, definitely mm. has some history. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Also, is this a task set forth by Amanda Waller? Are the butterflies a force for good? Because as we find out, as with most black ops that Amanda Waller is responsible for, they're like ridding the world of something that's potentially okay. She's actually such a snake in the grass. I'm kind of sick of her, but like in a good way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I want her comeuppance because I don't think she's a good person. Mm-mm. And um, the wiki page. Oh, sorry. I was going to say another thing too, that you, you just brought up. You said like Amanda Waller tends to get rid of things in the world that are okay ish. And then that made me think judo master in episode four, as he was fighting with peacemaker out in the parking lot for their rematch, bitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, judo master was in the middle of a sentence before Adebayo shot him and he said no the butterfly project you don't understand it's and then he gets shot probably going to say something good and endearing about the butterfly project but we'll never know yeah and uh, economist is tasked with making sure he doesn't talk which is something that Mern instructed him to do keep him alive but make sure he doesn't talk mm. <sighs> probably going to hand him right over to Amanda Waller to yeah. keep their secrets. Um, one. Yeah, because Judo Master was actually one of the security guards for Goff before they killed him and the rest of his family. I would like to know how he got that role, because that was weird. Also, we didn't even talk about him f- flicking flaming hot Doritos or Cheetos <laughs> at Peacemaker, which is very entertaining. <laughs> uh yeah, like Gambit style. Like Gambit levels of pressure. Gambit levels of pressure with playing cards, yeah. Like it was an, like... An accuracy. <laughs> this is funny. Oh, you want one? <laughs> <laughs> There's just so many like little nuggets or pockets of interactions just like that scene mm-hmm. in this show that make this show... One of the best superhero shows I've ever watched. And it's fun. Oh, it's in yeah. like ap- episode two and three were like total set pieces to me. Like episode two was the escape from the apartment. Like that was just it felt like a big set piece to me. Mm-hmm. But it was, you know, it was fun. They they carried the story through it, you know, they kept it rolling. It wasn't just action, there was development as well. It also included one of my favorite lines about trying to get eagerly. He's like, just put your hand in, rustle your hand in a bag of chips and he'll come. <laughs> And I was like, stick it out the window. He'll come because he thinks you have chips. <laughs> it's so dumb. 
It's like these little lines here. Like this show, it's funny. It's not like hilarious, hilarious laugh out loud, but like it tickles me. Yeah. Like you know? I scream laughed when he said that. Because <laughs> like that's how you call and get my attention. That's, hey, it's the way, it, what a girl wants, what a girl needs. Whatever. Makes you happy, yeah. set you free. So, and then episode three is the set piece at the Goff Mansion, you know, with them doing the stakeout and then going inside and then fighting in the basement. So there was a couple set pieces. Episode four was a cool down, which is cool. We needed a cool down because we had two kind of somewhat significant, you know, action pieces in a row. So I, I'm, I'm entertained. I'm entertained so far. It's, it definitely, I keep saying it reminds me of Deadpool and it, it does. It reminds me of Deadpool. My only complaint is there's still too much music in the show. Yeah. There's certain scenes that just don't need a backtrack background track. And it's just mm. like I understand the scene of him smoking pot and blowing it into the butterfly and thinking about his sibling. I understand that. But there's literally just like scenes of people getting put into a cop car. And there's like 80s rock ballads put in the background. It's like, OK, this is this is tiring. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember um, I watch kind of every episode now with um, the one comment that you made like in mind was that um, episode two feels like a glam rock music video. It does. And the opening scene for episode four, it was just like immediately music. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God. And I remember watching, and I think this is like a thing with James Gunn and watching like Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I was really excited for Guardians of the Galaxy and like the awesome mix I mean, you know, that was the soundtrack of one of our summers. 2014 or 15. We just yeah. put it on loop on the vinyl, played board mm-hmm. games, pre-drinks, you name yeah. it. Yeah, and we were, we were diligent about getting up and flipping that thing. <laughs> we were. I actually gave yeah. that record, I gave that record to Harry permanently. Because they kept my stuff for two, or like a year during COVID. And I was like, I feel really bad. Like you had all my crap in the apartment. <laughs> so Aww. I was like, take this as a gift. Yeah. <laughs> Just this one, though. Just this one. Yeah. So they... I think it's kind of like um, glam rock and, like, nostalgia uh, through music is sort of his now calling card. The way that Ryan Murphy's is song and dance numbers. And uh, it's kind of getting, like, a little tired. I hate to say it. It's too much. I could see like two songs per episode, maybe three, but like we're going like five, six songs, it feels like, or they're just playing the songs for way too long. Like it's, it's too much. It's dominating over the storytelling at points. Yes. And hopefully since we have, we have four, um, we have four left. Only two of them are by James Gunn, directed by James Gunn, I should say. Uh And we'll see if the balance sort of evens itself out. I noticed within the last, like the episode four, it wasn't directed by him. It was directed by somebody named Jody Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, it was written by James Gunn because I think he's the showrunner for every single episode. But um, interestingly, the the music was appropriate. Like you said, when he's listening to records and lamenting his life, there's music. Um, during fight scenes, there's music. Sure. Um, just that one time at the start of the episode, mm. there was music. But we'll see. We'll see. I wonder if it's a thing that just James Gunn does. And 
Also, you know what's yeah. not landing for me is Byrne, a detective Murn, Agent Murn. Thank God he yeah. turned out to be a butterfly because he was so, I swear to God, anytime he came up on the screen, like I understand he's there, he's leading the project, quote, in the field, and mm-hmm. he tends to be the one that gives us the exposition to move the plot forward, but he is so damn wooden that like it actually like, He's just such a, he's such the straight man that it was like, okay, everybody else is so elevated. Like everybody Mm -hmm. else is so fucking wacky, like peacemaker, vigilante, economist. Like they're all very larger than life that Mern is, he's so reserved, but it was so like, it drained me. I'm so happy he turned out to be a butterfly. Yeah. We we needed that twist. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll see where it goes from there. But he's, he's been the kind of the weak link for me so far. I have to say, not that like. Whatever. It's not the I worst thing in the you. world. He's he's just a little wooden. Mm-hmm. But also, I feel like his character is written that way, so it's not, not like his fault. It's not the actor's fault. Yeah. But. And usually these TV shows uh, take us on a whirlwind of speculation and theories, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, did you get spoiled at all by the Wikipedia page that said Adebayo is Amanda Waller's daughter? I think you said that to me and last week when we were chatting and I mm. think it might have briefly been mentioned in episode one while they were Skyping. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe it might've been mentioned because you, you mentioned oh. it. And I was like, Oh, they did talk. And then I was like, Oh, it is kind of weird that they were only talking to her. Okay. And then I, I kind of put two and two together. I don't know. I don't know. I might have to go back and rewatch now and see if they actually mentioned a familial tie. But yeah. I don't know. Because the rest of the team, and this is the thing, it's like I don't want to go into one of those like fan theory places with this show because I'm just really enjoying it for what it is. But if we're going to tangent, we may as well tangent about this. Let's do it. Because it's not super clear and everybody on the team doesn't seem to know because they keep questioning why she would have been picked for this team. Because I think they really pegged her as somebody who is kind of soft. Well, and she says she's never killed a person. She's never even shot at a person. And then that comes to a head in episode four when she mm-hmm. shoots Judo Master. And she's like, oh, my God. So, yeah. I, if, like, especially if I were Harcourt. Like, Harcourt was really hard on her at the beginning mm-hmm. of episode four after the Goff residence. And Harcourt was like, you don't have the stomach for this, sis. It's not Christmas. You know, so it was cross you off of that wish list. Cross you off of that wish list. So she Harcourt's a badass, which I will say she was underutilized a little bit in episode four, but not, you know, we'll see where it goes. Also, what the heck is with okay, please explain this to me. When Vigilante gets released from prison, Harcourt yeah. Harcourt picks him up and it's just the two of them. And Vigilante's like on the verge of tears because he couldn't kill the white dragon. Did I miss something there? Um, what's <laughs> and yeah, Harcourt looked empathetic. I think it's because she realizes that they have vigilante and peacemaker have this like special best friend relationship. Well, it feels one sided, but yeah, I, it absolutely <laughs> probably is. I mean, 481 missed calls. I get it, he was in jail, but like 481. That's a lot. Hey, P, this is V. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. <gasps> oh, my God. Maybe that's foreshadowing. <gasps> Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we caught that on the recording call. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 
Okay, so um anytime we talk about naughty bits, I'm just like I get derailed so well. Um okay, so I think he's disappointed that he wasn't able to kill the white dragon for his best friend. But like the reaction was quite extreme. He was like crying. And he's like, he's still alive. So I don't know. I'm just, I was just a little perplexed about the magnitude of reaction to that. And I was like, did I miss something? Mm-hmm. So I figured I'd ask the pro, who is you? I think that maybe this, maybe, maybe something will come to light later. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know about any special relationships outside of what we are seeing. So, okay. Well, yeah, I was just, I wasn't like, it almost insinuated that like, vigilante was much more in on it than initially because like adebeo was the one that kind of like set him on the path of getting arrested and stuff and going to kill the white dragon i'm like maybe vigilante's more ingrained in this than we realize like maybe there's Mm. a different i don't know i was just a little confused by that so yeah well i feel like we'll find Mm -hmm. out uh right just like the rest of everybody else we have episodes five six seven and eight so four episodes to go mm-hmm. and then a whole mm-hmm. month and then we'll dive right into moon Knight. but we have we're <sighs> gonna have to have some some ranking episodes coming up yes it's, it's gonna be fun mm-hmm. did you watch the moonlight trailer yet that was let me repeat that in english did you watch the moon Knight trailer comma yes yes no no I, comma no <laughs> exclamation mark exclamation mark I did. Thoughts? Uh, ooh. It is... Oh, it's going to be good. Oscar mm-hmm. Isaac, I'm in love with. Also he can't sp- miss. Space Daddy. <laughs> I mean, mm, sorry. He's just... I, how, do I, you, how do you do two, two dream boats at once? I would have snorted Oscar Isaac's spice in Dune. Definitely. Mm. So after I watched the Moon Knight trailer, I immediately watched the the uh, Marvel released on their YouTube channel the two actors reacting to the Moon Knight trailer. Oh, and at the end where Moon Knight is like fully formed and he's like kicking the shit out of somebody and he's in this costume, he turns towards the camera. They like scream like like a bunch of fanboys and they're like high fiving and hugging each other and it's the best. <laughs> I am yeah, I'm very excited. Like I I I have a weird relationship with Moon Knight. Like I have been into Moon Knight since I was like 5 years old. Ooh. And I specifically, I don't know if I can find it. Oh my god. There was this one picture of him that really got me into it. Uh Marvel trading cards puzzle set 1993 full. Oh my god, I found it. Oh my god. It's this specific... Oh my god. How do I like... um, Can I... How do I do this? Can I share my screen with... No, I'm not going to share my screen. I'm going to just give you the link. Copy-paste? Copy-paste. Open it. Um, It's an eBay picture. Excuse me. And you want to go to the top middle of the picture. And there's a picture of Moon Knight, and I've been obsessed with it. And so, like, it got me into the character of Moon Knight. Do you remember this? You don't probably don't. Do you remember this card set? I used to oh. call them puzzle cards. I don't know why. Yes. Um, well, because when you put them together, they make a hole. 
They do. Oh my god. And I'm like, who is this white beauty with his bow staff and his rugby thighs? Like, who is this? And then, yeah, I've been obsessed with Moon Knight, so I'm very excited. Whoa. Siege. Mm-hmm. Moses Siege Magnum. Have- yeah, does he have cornrows? Wow. He's a robot with cornrows. Silver Sable. Doc Samson. These are like some some obscure ones. We haven't seen any of these people except for the Hulk. No, I can't wait. We're getting Ooh, there. We're yeah. getting there. So we're getting a lot of delays, too. So it looks like we'll have to program a lot of extra filler activity. We're going to do Crafts Corner one day. I'm, I'm one third through painting the X-Men figures. I have seven done out of 21. So mm-hmm. we can do a Craft Corner at some point. And I did a test cut of the stickers, um, the the square, okay. because it's like a rounded square. So unbeknownst to anybody else, because we don't talk about it, Brent, Harvey Brent is refurbishing. An old 1992 X-Men board game. And the person from who, whom he procured it just left blank white dice. Yes. And so Jolie has been so gracious to print the actual sides of the die. We had to do some research and find pictures of them, but she's been printing the size of the die at her, at her shop there in, mm-hmm. in St. Thomas. And like, honestly, I know that this is going on 45 minutes now, but like using my cricket cutting machine to not cut vinyl has been like a breath of fresh air oh because it's so thin <sighs> yeah but also like i just feel like i'm in cutting vinyl like everybody like to cutting vinyl names cutting fucking <clears throat> script and it's like okay this is an actual project <laughs> oh is it no our project is like this is an actual thing Oh, like, yeah. I feel like I'm a force for good. You know how you get those people who are like creating 3D settlers of Catan boards with their 3D printers? That's a thing. Yeah. Oh my God. And like they print out extra pieces and they're like, you know, people are printing out legs for chairs. Here I am <clears throat> making the stickers for the set because it's what's needed. It's what's needed to restore this X-Men board game. For, for those of you interested, it's called X-Men Alert adventure game the uncanny x-men alert adventure game and it comes with a bunch of like miniature die cast figures and my friend and i are painting them and they are turning up flawless but we'll save that for another episode when we need to (laughs) fill some time Mm -hmm. yeah just uh there are not a lot of games workshops left on the earth and luckily the full volume podcast has transitioned (laughs) to a, a a board game podcast yeah a board cast slash miniature painting podcast Girl, I can talk about board games all day. We play Wingspan constantly. We play Catan with the expansions. We play Kingdom Hearts. Like, we're, we've are we gone deep into the board game <laughs> rabbit hole during COVID. Speaking of Kingdom Hearts, did you see it is coming to the Switch on February 10th? Yeah, but it's only cloud-based. I know. I'm so fucking upset. So mad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just, Anyways, yeah. I ramble. It's fine. So if you too love Kingdom Hearts just as much as us, or if you have any contributions you'd like for us to know about um, RE Re Peacemaker, just send us an email at full volume to the full volume podcast. It's full volume pod at gmail.com. You can listen to this episode and every other past episode. May I suggest our Evan Peters tier list? 
Come on. Get on it. It's a video podcast. It is a spoken word podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can catch all of the episodes on www.comicbooksyndicate.com or our YouTube channel at Comic Book Syndicate. Uh, You can also find this audio wherever you listen to podcasts on Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, etc. Just search full volume podcast or the Comic Book Syndicate Network. Until next time, I have been one host, G.I. Joe Lee. And I've been a second host, Harvey Brent. Keep it loud. Keep it at full volume, bitches. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.